in this book, I think it's just one page where he describes a school that he'd started in India. And he described how children did the regular academic subjects, but very often they would have lessons outside under the trees. And in addition to those subjects, they also learned about things like yoga and meditation and environmental sustainability and how to grow their own food. It was really that one page in that book that planted the seed of the idea that grew into Earth Child Project. Welcome to the tribe. This is your weekly podcast from Tribe Sober. Whether you're already sober, striving to be sober, or just plain sober curious, you need a tribe. You need a tribe because it's so hard to do this alone. You need a tribe because you need support. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've got your back. Here at Tribe Sober, we have people at all stages of the journey, all helping each other to stay on track. On this podcast, we've got recovery stories to inspire you, experts to inform you, and plenty of advice on how to ditch the drink and change your life. So here's your host, Tribe Leader, Janet Gorond. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tribe Sober podcast, episode 142. My name is Janet Goron. I'm the founder of Tribe Sober, and I'm your host for this podcast. Here at Tribe Sober, we help people to change their relationship with alcohol and then to go on and actually thrive in their alcohol-free lives. And over the last seven years, we've helped hundreds of people to do just that. This episode will be released on Christmas Eve. So first of all, let me say a very happy Christmas to all our listeners and a big thank you for following our podcast. This week I've had so many emails from people stressing about getting through the festive season drinking. Some of them have already clocked up a period of sobriety and they're worried about being tempted. Others are still drinking and worry that they'll go completely over the top, just like they did last year. My advice has been to see the festive season as a challenge. Do the very best you can and then be ready for a fresh start in 2023. We've come up with three great ideas to help you get that fresh start. Idea number one, join Tribe Sober and we'll support you through an alcohol-free 2023. Join our warm and welcoming community and take advantage of all the support that we offer. As an incentive, we're offering a 20% discount on annual membership until the end of December. That's just a few days away. Just go to tribesober.com, hit join our tribe and insert the coupon code CHRISTMAS2022 when you sign up as an annual member. Idea number two, join our Dry January Challenge. Make a small donation to a good cause and we'll provide online and community support for 30 days. You can pick your own start date. It can be any time up to the 31st of January. So if you've got a little New Year holiday coming up, don't let that deter you. Idea number three. Join our January boot camp. Five days of fun and learning with the Tribe Sober team. Daily tasks, training and lots of connection. And it's all absolutely free. What's not to like? Bootcamp dates are the 9th to the 13th of January. Find all the info on the bootcamp on tribesober.com 
or simply go to Facebook and find the Sobriety Bootcamp Facebook group and request to join. So there's our three ideas to help you get a flying start to 2023. Why not throw the book at your sobriety and do all three? This week's podcast guest is the amazing Jana Kretzmar, fresh from winning Fair Lady Magazine's award as a woman of the future. Social entrepreneur Jana set up the Earth Child Foundation 16 years ago and since that time she's helped thousands of underprivileged children here in South Africa. Tribe Sober have been fundraising for Earth Child for the last seven years via our Dry January Challenge and many of you have very generously donated. If you've ever wondered why underprivileged children could benefit from yoga, then have a listen to Janet explaining how it all began. Firstly, hi Janet and thank you so much for having me on, on your podcast. So to introduce myself, my name is Jana Kretzmar. I'm the, the founder and director of a nonprofit organization called the Earth Child Project. Started way back in 2007. I live in Cape Town with my husband and two young boys. How on earth did you get this uh, amazing vision to, uh, to create Earth Child? How did, how did it come to you and did you imagine it evolving as it has? Just take us right back to uh, when you had that light bulb moment. When I finished high school and I started, I started studying um, anthropology and psychology and I think especially social anthropology at the University of Cape Town really, really inspired me to want to be part of making a difference in the world. After completing my undergraduate, all that I knew was that I wanted to make a positive difference and I had a feeling that my dream job didn't exist and I'd have to create it. So I decided to first travel. So I worked for a year and saved up and then I went traveling in South America. And also to say during my, during my studies on a personal level, I had been introduced to practices like yoga and a more holistic approach to health and wellness and also been learning more about what was happening to the environment and becoming more passionate about sustainability. During my travels in South America, I, I ended up living and volunteering on an eco-village. It was really there that for the first time I met other young, like-minded people who were practicing, um, I suppose, holistic lifestyle habits like practicing yoga and meditation and growing their own food and living in community. And I suppose during my time on that eco-village, it really gave me hope that us as a species have the capacity to live in a more balanced, peaceful, and harmonious way with each other and with the natural world. That really inspired me to want to try and create that back home in South Africa. And another part of that puzzle was that while I was at the eco-village, I read a book called Autobiography of a Yogi. It's by Paramahamsa Yogananda, who was one of the first Indian yogis to 
bring yoga and meditation to the West. In this book, I think it's just one page where he describes a school that he'd started in India. And he described how children did the regular academic subjects, but very often they would have lessons outside under the trees. And in addition to those subjects, they also learned about things like yoga and meditation and environmental sustainability and how to grow their own food. It was really that one page in that book that planted the seed of the idea that grew into Earth Child Project. So I understand where your inspiration came from and that you wanted to create something similar here in South Africa. But having a dream is one thing, but making it a reality is something else. How did you manage to put all your great ideas into practice? Very soon after having this idea... Um, a friend of mine who ran an NGO shared it with one of their donors who was Earth Child Clothing. They loved the idea. They were a, a local organic children's clothing brand, and they really felt that it, it, it resonated with what they did and their values. And they offered to pay the salary of that first facilitator. And so that was really where the inspiration for the name came. Literally in that first email I sent to them, I was like, oh, well, the Earth Child Project, that they, they called Earth Child. And Earth Child as a name just um, so beautifully summed up what our vision was and what we did. And yeah, and then and then very quickly we got... I met Knox, who you know well, who was a young um, community leader in Kailicha, and she was already working with a group of children, and she just fell in love with the idea, and then we found a school, and literally within three months of that first idea, we had three facilitators, three schools, and three donors, and the next year in January was when, when Earth Child Project began. That was back in 2007. You're listening to a podcast from Tribe Sober. Wow, that's, that's such a beautiful story, Jana. I love the way it, 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 it was as if it was meant to be, wasn't it? You've got your travels, you've got that one page in the book, and you've got finding a school and it was just meant to be, wasn't it? Just the way that it all fell into place so beautifully. I think it really was an experience of following my gut and intuition and seeing how when you want to do something that's in line with your passion and purpose, but also for a greater good, there was so much support from so many different people and organizations now when I look back and I, uh, I see that we kind of fell into that approach of working together with local partners and letting the model grow very organically. Yeah. And I, I feel like that has ended up being a, a great strength of the organization. And how big is it these days? I think you've got 10 full-time staff. How many children are you helping yes. at the moment? Well, we our, our team, we've got 10 full-time staff members and we work with plus minus 3,500 children on a, a weekly basis. Uh, and just talk to us a bit about the different programs. So there's obviously the yoga and then there's the uh, the gardening. 
and the worm farm. Yes. Um, I know that very often I think that um, what we do seems like, can seem like a strange combination of things. So as you said, there's yoga, there's gardening, there's worm farming, but maybe um, how I often describe it is it's holistic education and practical experiential education. And we really, our, our, our vision is that if we can support children to really connect to themselves, each other, and the environment, then they will better care for and love and protect themselves, each other, and the environment. And so really wanting to give children practical tools and knowledge in those areas of self, health, and wellness, community, and um, and the environment – the practical skills that we've looked at is so we have a yoga component of our programs, but it's much more than just yoga postures and meditation. There's also all sorts of life skills and um, emotional, like uh, we teach children about, I suppose, their physical and emotional well-being. Then there's the environmental component, again, wanting it to be practical. So we have worm farms in the classes. We teach them how to grow organic food in containers. We take them out of the township communities and onto the mountains to really give them an experience of the natural world. What has evolved is that we actually work all the way from grade one to post-grade 12 gap year interns. It's a it's really a long term intervention. Yeah. And I just love the stories about the, the little children who then go on to become teachers, you know, like so so so. And um the fact that your your young leaders, some of them are involved in the Earth Child Project, aren't they? Yes. So you, you've known your your young leaders um since they were <laughs> tiny. Since they were small. I mean, that has really been an incredibly inspiring addition to our team and our programs over the past few years. I mean, what's been really inspiring is to see their passion and commitment for passing on what they learned with us to the next generation. And so much of the impact, I think, comes from the quality of the relationships that are built and the kind of role models that young people could be. That's something that I've really learned over the years of Earth Child Project is the power of positive role models and the reality that I can never be the kind of role model to a a young boy or girl at a school in Kailicho or Lavender Hill where we work in the way that a 20-year-old young staff member, part of our team who grew up in that community like the kind of role model that that person can be for the youth is so powerful. And that's really now very much part of our vision for how we're going to expand is, is like next year, for example, we've got three new interns starting who just finishing grade 12. And as the years go by, our team will grow and grow. And, and this next generation of earth children will be the ones who really get to co-create where and how the organization grows in future. Talk to me a bit about the funding because of Earth Child Projects. I know that you're a pretty tireless fundraiser yourself and uh, I think you've got donors from all over the world, haven't you? The never-ending journey of supporting the work that we do and as we grow and expand, so does our budget and the need for funding. 
about 50% of our funding comes through big established foundations and trusts. Um, so that's local and international trusts and foundations who are dedicated to supporting nonprofits. Then a component of that is also businesses. So there are um, local corporates that we get funding from as well. And then this year, actually 50% of our funding has also come through what we call individual giving. So I think it's really important as a nonprofit to have a, to put your eggs in lots of baskets. I think it really strengthens the, the sustainability of the organization to not heavily rely on one source of income. And so we've really grown our individual giving. And what we mean by that is we have local and international individuals who sign up to be monthly donors. So even if it's a hundred rand or five euros or what, whatever amount, it's, it's really an incredible support because it just provides that monthly source of income. And then also there's once-off donations as well as we have ambassadors who organize fundraising events. Um, So we've got yoga ambassadors who organize maybe a fundraising yoga class. And we have members of the local and international yoga community who have really supported our work in incredible ways over the years. And just as we build long-term relationships with our schools and the children we work with, it re- it's such a core value to Earth Child Project is building long-term relationships. And I mean, I think that that's something that we have experienced as well, how wonderful it is when you work together over the years and, and all sorts of exciting things come out of that partnership. So for example, part of our individual individual giving is people like yourself who who set up campaigns and and help to to crowdfund and and it's a, it, it's it all adds up and makes a huge difference. And so it's really a part of Earthshot project that we are excited to grow. Well that brings us nicely to our dry January challenge, doesn't it? Yes. We've been so grateful for the ongoing partnership and then the relationships that form as a result of that and and you coming out to the schools and getting to meet, like you said, you met Soso all those years ago. So you also getting to kind of see how these earth children are growing up and joining the team. And I also think that there's such an alignment in what the work that you do and Dry January in terms of just really trying to support people in their journeys to wellness. And I think also part of how we met through that, that you practice yoga and that you practice yoga with, with Tamsin, who's one of our ambassadors. So it's really these, these networks and, and ecosystems of people all working together for, for something kind of greater and more positive. Every Saturday afternoon, we open up our Tribe Sober Zoom Cafe. It's a safe space where our members can connect, check in, and just shoot the breeze about alcohol-free living. If you'd like to be a guest at the cafe one Saturday, just drop us an email at janet at tribesober.com. That's janet, J-A-N-E-T, at tribesober.com, and we'll send you an invitation. So over the last seven years, we've raised 300,000 rand via dry January. 
I'm sure some of our regular donors are listening. So please tell them how you've spent their money, Jana. Yes, it's so, I mean, what an incredible amount for over those years. It's a very substantial amount of, of funding. And because there is the connection to yoga and health and wellness and, and life skills, and um, we have used that funding for our yoga and life skills program and it is 250 rand to sponsor the the weekly yoga classes of one little yogi for one whole year and so that funding has supported over 800 children to go through our living classroom yoga program which is it's quite hard to actually imagine that but it's a lot of little yogis getting a lot of support not just the yoga classes but like I said we we teach them about how to boost their immune system and life skills and emotional intelligence and all sorts of things so that is where the dry January support has gone into our living classroom yoga yoga program over the years so, Jana, I occasionally get asked, I mean, most people understand the, the value of the, um, the kind of holistic benefit to the children and the fact that that's so sustainable. But occasionally somebody will say to me, but, but these children, you know, don't they need help with clothes and books and school fees? There must be more pressing needs uh, than yoga. You know, they don't quite get it. So, so talk me through how I should best answer that. <laughs> um. I think it is a valid question and it is a question that we also get asked from time to time over the years. There are a number of different reasons why we've chosen to have things like yoga and mindfulness as part of our program. I think just as anybody with the long-term benefits of yoga, there are physical, mental, emotional benefits and increased well-being that anybody would experience. I think, however, for the children that we work with, they experience such high levels of stress and trauma on a very regular basis as a result of the challenges in the communities that they face. In the communities where they live, there's very high levels of unemployment, substance abuse, gang violence, a lot of young people dropping out of school and getting involved in the gangs, falling pregnant. I think that on, a, on an immediate level, things like yoga and meditation really help the children to deal with the stress and trauma that they face. So we get lots of feedback from, from children and teachers um, saying, I mean, I'll give an example I'll never forget, we've had teachers say, I don't know why, but on the days when you do yoga, like the children's maths improves and they're a lot calmer and more focused. And it was teachers who said to us that uh, the children, for example, in Lavender Hill, almost on a daily basis, there's gangs fighting and gunshots and things like that. And how can you be in a state to learn and focus when that's what's going on around you. And so I think just very practically, it is a tool to help to just carve out a little bit of calm and peace and stillness in their day-to-day lives. But then I think almost on a greater level and in, in, in terms of the long-term impact is that 
we really want to support young people to reach their true potential and to rise above the challenges that they face on a daily basis in these communities. And I think something that we could take for granted is just that every young person is encouraged to dream and have a vision for their lives. And a lot of the young people that we work with, they don't necessarily have anyone who's saying, like, what is your dream for your future? And I believe in you. But the first step in that is that they need to really connect with themselves and, and increase their confident, confidence and self-respect and the belief that if they set a goal, they can achieve it. And we've really seen that through the yoga and life skills program, young people have had an opportunity to really get to know themselves and come to love and respect themselves and create a vision and believe that they can achieve that. And so for me, Yes, those other things are important, the basic needs. But I think to really break the cycle of poverty, there's more that's needed. And I mean, for example, we've had young people, uh, one of our gap year interns, for example, told me that she often spent her time playing with her younger sister. And when I asked her why, she said, Well, all of my peers, dropped out of high school, they fell pregnant, they on drugs, and and I don't I don't want that for my life. I'm making different choices. And I I don't want to fall pregnant. And the reason I don't want to is because through yoga I learned to respect my body. And so I'm making different choices because I love and respect my body and I want a different future. And I remember the first time getting that feedback at totally like it gives me goosebumps still because it made me realize the extent to which I had underestimated the impact of something like yoga and meditation on because I I didn't I suppose fully understand the the challenges that these young people face and how it actually takes a huge amount of courage and strength to choose a different path when you live in these communities because there's so much pressure from every direction from like from all around and there's so much pressure from their peers to be making bad choices yeah and they, they see you as a, a permanent um, entity that's in their lives and that they can rely on and role models and and in fact you you kind of counterbalance the uh, the negative peer pressures that they don't that they see, they can see that there's there's something different going on. Mm. Okay, Jana. Well, that was inspiring as it always is to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so, so much for supporting us for all these years. As I mentioned earlier, our, our work is largely possible because of the support and long-term relationships um, and ongoing commitment to support our work from individuals like yourself. And I, I know that it's no small task to... To get to run dry January, it's a really big project. And I think every year we just are really blown away by the way that you and your team go above and beyond to make it such a success. So we are really, really, on behalf of myself and the team, just if I can say a very big thank you for the multiple ways that um, 
you support and promote our work. Thank you. So there you heard me talking to the awesome Jana Kretzmar, founder and director of Earthchild. As usual, I'm going to pull out some key points from that conversation. Now, Jana was only in her 20s when she set up the Earthchild project, and it seemed to me as if everything she'd done before that had been kind of leading up to that. For example, she studied anthropology at university. She went to Brazil and worked on an eco-project. She read a book by a yogi about a program he ran in a school in India. And then she returned to South Africa to set up her project in 2007. Jana believes that if we follow our feelings and do something that's in line with our passion and purpose and for the greater good, then it will all come together. And it certainly did in her case. The very first facilitator that they had in a school was sponsored by the Earthchild Clothing Company, and that's where the name came from. And within just a year, they had three facilitators. Jana talked about the power of positive role models and about how she could never be that role model to children of Kailicha. And that's why she is so excited that they have developed leaders from the communities that they work in. Earthchild actually helped three and a half thousand children on a weekly basis. They do yoga, they do life skills, they do gardening, worm farming, hiking. It's all practical, experiential education. Because her vision is to get the children to connect to themselves and each other and the environment. Jana and I discuss the fact that sometimes we're asked, why yoga? when these kids must have other, more fundamental needs? The answer to that question is that these kids come from communities where there is a lot of gang violence and substance abuse, and yoga helps to calm them. It's a tool to carve out calm and stillness, and for many of them it's the beginning of a lifelong practice. So I do hope that Jana's amazing story has inspired you to sign up for our Dry January Challenge. A donation of just 250 rand or £12 or $16 will sponsor a child for a whole year of yoga and life skills classes. So to sign up for the challenge, just go to tribesober.com and hit the fundraiser pick on the homepage. So that's it from me. Thanks so much for listening and I'll be back next week. Ditching the drink is like climbing a mountain. It's hard, it takes courage and grit, and an experienced guide. And that's where we come in. Here at Tribe Sober, we've climbed that mountain and we know the view from the top is amazing. We've used our experience to put together a unique membership program that will support you all the way. We've got challenges, chat rooms, sober buddies, trackers, and milestone awards, and that's just for starters. So head on over to tribesober.com and check out our membership program. It's the essential resource for anyone looking to ditch the drink and change their life.